0: Listen, I don't think you need me to tell you that this is no ordinary Easter. Not just in the sense that you are where you are and I am where I am. the fact that we're not gathering today in person to worship and sing and pray and eat together. For me, the unordinariness of this Easter is more tied up in the strangeness and in the heaviness of these times in which we are living. I mean, there are many amongst us for whom life has been completely upended. Those of you who had a job just a month ago and could never have imagined sitting here on this Easter morning wondering when that job might come back. Those of you who have had to make the heart-wrenching decision to close down businesses or to stay away from family members in order to protect family members. There are so many lives that have been completely upended in these days in a way that I suspect none of us have, and God willing, will ever again have to experience. And yet right alongside that there is another layer to the strangeness. The fact that certain aspects of life seem to be going on about as normal. We can still pick up the pizza at the curb. Our mail is still being delivered to the box each day. Right, and even more so, there are some who, who are going about their normal lives and occupations to which they have been called, vocations to which they have been called, that before did not necessarily seem life-threatening, and yet now they are occupations that ask them to put their lives on the line every time they show up. Doctors and nurses and janitors who walk into situations to battle an invisible disease to help heal people of a sickness and yet at the same time expose themselves to the possibility of becoming sick. There's a strangeness, there's a heaviness to these days in which we are living. This Easter feels different doesn't it? And to be quite honest with you, I don't really like it. Which is perhaps part of the reason that I felt drawn to Mark's telling of the Easter story. You know, I've always had some affinity for Mark's gospel. It has to do with a few different things, I think. One might be the fact that when I showed up the seminary, having never taken any Bible or theology class before, the very first biblical book that I studied in class was Mark. It may too have to do with the fact that that class was taught by one of the dearest and most brilliant Christians I have ever known, Dr. David Bartlett. But even more so, I think I was pulled in some ways to Mark's uniqueness. You learn in a class on Mark, one of the first things you learn is that though it shows up second in our Bibles, Matthew, of course, being the first, it is, in fact, the first of the Gospels written. That in all likelihood, the authors of Matthew, Luke, and John all had copies of Mark in their hand as they went about their work. But it's unique in another way as well. It's unique in its ending. Did you know that Mark's Gospel Has three endings? If you open up your Bibles at home, you'll notice that we ended at verse 8 with those words, they were afraid. And yet there are more verses that come after it. They fall under the heading, a rather unoriginal heading in my opinion, the shorter and longer ending of Mark. There are in fact effectively three different endings to Mark's gospel. I think I was drawn to that fact in the sense that we are people who are living amidst all of these endings, jobs ending, school years ending, right? These endings that are exhausting us, the end of being with other people, being by yourself is exhausting. And at the same time, the end of a school year for some with small children in particular leads to a different kind of exhaustion as we stay at home most all day with our young ones. There are endings that are happening all around us. And so it seems so appropriate that we read the Easter story from the gospel whose ending itself is unclear. You know, I've been thinking about endings too, in the sense that many of our older students, our high school and college students, have had their school years come to these abrupt ends, particularly for our seniors, who expected and anticipated an ending to their high school or college careers to look a certain way, and yet now it's completely different. I think all of us are experiencing endings like that. But I have to tell you, the ending that we have read from Mark's Gospel Those three words, they were afraid. To be quite honest with you, I don't really like that ending. I don't like the fact that the Easter story, according to Mark, seems to end in a place of fear. Now sometimes when I am feeling fearful, sometimes when I am searching for hope, I'll turn to the psalms. And there's one psalm in particular. It's the 130th psalm. There are two verses in that psalm that read like this. The psalmist writes, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning more than those who watch for the morning. Have you ever watched for the morning? Eugene Peterson, that late Presbyterian pastor and theologian, tells the wonderful story of the year he spent as a night watchman in an apartment building in New York City. His job, he writes, took place between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. most every night of the week. The first two hours he also had to operate the elevator for residents coming home late from work for people perhaps who had spent a night out on the town, but that work always petered out around midnight. And then from 12 until 6 a.m. in the darkest hours of the morning, he would sit at his post. He said, I'd read, I'd study, I'd doze. But often the thing I loved most in that year as a night watchman were the people. The people who wandered in, out of the dark, to talk to me, he says. There were the poets and the artists. There were the homeless men and women. There was one older gentleman who walked with a limp, he remembered, and claimed to have spent most of his life as an adventurer in the jungles of South America. How many of their stories were true, he said, I'll never really know. But it was his year as a night watchman where he learned something important about God. He said, at some point in that year, it dawned on me that I would not be able to do my job if I did not know that this building in which I sat was in the hands of good people. An owner who who cared for the building's well-being. An uh, engineer who ensured that the elevator and all of the equipment worked properly. Residents who were good and decent people just going about their normal lives. That knowledge, he said, gave me the confidence to sit through the night gave me the ability to trust that as I sat there through the darkness, the morning would always come. The psalmist who writes of our souls waiting for the Lord. The psalmist who equates the role of a follower to that of a watchman. The psalmist, I believe, has that same conviction. The psalmist says that we can wait on the Lord because we know that the Lord will always bring a new morning. We can wait on the creator of all creation because we can trust that that creator is active and at work in creation. That that creator is one who even now is working for the redemption of all things. What an incredible image for us on this Easter. This Easter that feels so full of endings. This Easter that perhaps leaves some of us feeling as if we are still in the tomb. This Easter that feels so heavy, so strange, so different. What an image. The call for us. To be Easter watchmen. Friends, what does it look like? For people who have glimpsed the empty tomb. For people who have heard that story of a Jesus risen from the dead. What does it look like for us to be watchmen? You know, I can't help but wonder if we are called this day to fall in line with that psalmist, that psalmist who seems to know that God does not leave us in our places of fear, but rather moves us ever and always to amazement and wonder. Friends, what if our role this Easter is to be those watchmen, to be the women and the men who wake this day and point others in the midst of the darkness to the fact that even now, the sun is dawning. Even now, a new day is coming. What would it look like for us to point others to those places of wonder? You know, in the midst of all of this strangeness in these days that we are living, There have been such amazing moments, some of which I have shared with you, all of which I'm sure we have been reading. These amazing moments, big and small, where it has occurred to me in my own fear, in my own uncertainty, in my own tombs, that God is at work even now. That new life is being brought forth even now. They are moments that have been playing out in our own church and in our own community. The church member who who wrote to me asking if there's a place she can donate the masks that she has been sewing. Masks that she hopes will provide for the health and the well-being of people she does not even know. Moments like the children who have been writing cards to older members in our church and the older members in turn who have been writing cards to our children. Moments like these ministries in our community, like Second Harvest and Manna House and Sparrows Nest and Hunger Action Team, that have all been doubling down on their commitment to facing the challenges of needing to be at distance from one another and yet realizing that there are people who are hungry now more than ever and are in need of sustenance and food, both of the physical and spiritual variety, and watching those ministries rise to the challenge. There have been all of these moments, these watchman moments, in these days where to me it seems people are pointing others to the light. The light that even if they can't yet see it, is coming nonetheless. The fact that Easter is this day that marks the fact that even when we sit in fear, God does not leave us there. The fact that God can see ahead of us, and that God is leading us to that place of life. What would it look like for us to be people who point others to the fact that sickness and death and worry never have the final word?
1: Friends, the invitation
0: for us on this strange and heavy Easter is to be watchmen, to be the ones who can point others and perhaps especially those who are struggling to see for themselves to be the ones who can hold that hope and point them to the reality that though the ending at this point still seems unclear to us, when will all of this end? When? When, when, when can we be back and worship? When can we go back out to eat? When can we go back to work? When will the masters come? When will Georgia football come? We can be the people who say that even when we do not know the ending for this time, we still know the ending. And the ending is this. He is risen. Friends, may the truth, may the joy, may the hope, may the light, and may the promise of that truth, that Christ is risen, always, even now, be the light in the midst of whatever it is you are walking through this day, May that promise be the one that walks with you and that leads you ever and always to the new day that is dawning even now. Do you see it?